Welcome to Hairless in the Cloud. Uh, we are still at Ignite 2023 and we have yet another guest. Young, who do you brought? It's Paul Hubrecht, maybe something like that. I'm sorry for that. Um, uh, I'm not originally from the country you are from, uh, the Netherlands. Mm. Um, we are the neighbor country, uh, but it's still quite uh, hard for us to pronounce uh, your name. Uh, very, very nice that you are here. Uh, you're well known in the community, in the security community. Uh, Paul also wrote a book about MDE, a very well-known book, uh, Defender for Endpoint. Uh, it's the standard for uh, getting to know Defender for Endpoint. So we are really happy to have you here. Yeah, and that book is, it's like the best resource ever. It's also the only book. <laughs> not hard. Um, yeah, nice to be here. Uh, so, I'm Paul, I work at Microsoft as a product manager. Um, so, I get to work with the engineering team and build all the cool stuff that you see in the product today. Okay. And you are uh, Seattle based? You are Redmond based? Yep. Okay. Um, so, I've <clears throat> been with Microsoft for about seven years. Before that, I was in consultancy, uh, security architect, um, engineer before that. Okay. Uh, so I kind of come from the field, definitely uh, techie, always have been. And then uh, within Microsoft, uh, well, it took a little while, but I started out in the Netherlands. Uh, and then about three plus years ago, uh, I moved over here to become a product manager and so lived nearby. Okay. So what I didn't uh, understand uh, in the in the past, or what, what I still not understand, is how is that departed in in Israel and and, and uh, the U.S. So what is, is is there a distinction? I mean, what is happening in in Israel and what is happening in terms of uh, product development? What is happening here? There are differences. So if you want to know, kind of know the full history of how that happened, it's in the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the short of it is that. Israel has always been a cybersecurity R&D center, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, Israel culture, uh, a lot of startups, a lot of cybersecurity mentality, everybody's trained to go into the military and be security minded. So that actually grew like tons of innovation. And um, you may be aware there, there were tons of acquisitions done mm -hmm. uh, in the past there as well. Um, I, I, you know, there's an anecdote here. Uh, when I walked down the street in... Uh, 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 near Tel Aviv. Um, what the name Hatzliya, thank you. Um, you used to see like multiple buildings with a Microsoft logo and a vague outline of the previous logo, right? <laughs> and so that tells you a lot about how that happened. <laughs> um, it's an entirely new building now. Uh, you could say that uh, part of the early part of the Defender AV cloud was operated out of there initially. Mm. And then we started moving into more behavioral monitoring uh, capabilities, um, and that then evolved into EDR. Um, whilst the AV cloud piece moved back to Redmond, mm. um, it, it originated in Redmond as far as I uh, know, the EDR piece remained in Israel. Mm. And so you saw kind of the prevention capabilities primarily being developed in Redmond and the detection response per, uh, capabilities primarily in uh, LDC. It's definitely not a very clear cut. Mm. Um, we all work on what is called Defender for Endpoint. Yeah. Um, there's just specific focal points. Um, and more and more, I would say that these lines are very blurry. Um, despite our efforts to streamline the work and make sure that you know, we're not trying to constantly be on calls with each other, and you know um, that that kind of 
makes it a little bit harder for people to preserve a work life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say, time like, zones. yeah, yeah, it's a big difference. And the, the collaboration is intense. Um, we're all working on the same purpose. Uh, we're all passionate about um, delivering the best sec- security value uh, across like, mm-hmm. prevention, detection, response. Um, yeah, some of what you see recently um, are more uh, fundamental quality usability improvements that you see uh, in the product. You may have heard of the simplified connectivity as an example, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or streamlined connectivity, I think is what we call it. Uh, just to make it a lot easier for you to onboard to defend a frame point. And mm-hmm. I would say that that is currently the biggest area of investment to have uh, an end-to-end um, um, view on everything from, from hey, I need to go out and deploy MDE to, hey, I need to offboard a device and everything in between. Like that whole experience is what we're currently really, really hyper-focused on on the Redmond side of uh, things mm-hmm. uh, to even further elevate and make it much easier for everyone to get a uh, different frame point everywhere. Okay. So do you think this, that's a blocker in some projects that it might not be that easy? or In a way, I mean, uh, we, we have a lot of customers that are extremely successful with our products. Yeah. Um, and we do recognize that uh, you know the promises that we deliver on modern windows they the seamless deployment you have there mm-hmm. that's a very strong promise and one we obviously want to uphold but if you look at platforms where we're not natively integrated like older windows versions or uh, cross plat versions that unfortunately we can't boast that same right and so that's what an area where we're like hey we could do better yeah. we could definitely make it even more seamless, probably not going to be able to get to the same level, but we can get close. But we are there, right? Mm-hmm. We, are, we are there at the moment. We, 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 you have changed uh, the way to, to onboard servers as well mm-hmm. with the update, with the universal agent. So Right. Unified agent was kind of one step on that journey. We yeah. had to, I mean, there's a couple of themes in there, right? It's, it's addressing our Windows legacy, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, being Microsoft, our best security is in our, best operating systems. Mm-hmm. Our best operating systems are the ones that we most recently built. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you go, hey, Microsoft, why don't you make your operating system more secure? And guess what? You're constantly doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the very best answer is use the latest and greatest. And then, you know, then there's a reality out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the very real, once you start going to these legacy OSs, you're more and more vulnerable and there's more and more things that can go wrong. And so the the need for a strong cybersecurity solution actually goes up. Um, and that's where customers aren't ready to invest to do upgrades or there's a lot of uh, red tape around being able to upgrade a, a workload. And so we acknowledge like legacy is important because we can't just not have coverage. right? Mm-hmm. And so we need to make sure that that is shored up properly. Uh, I think we've made great strides with the unified agent. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's a big, heavy MSI package. It comes with prerequisites, and it takes a little while to actually get it deployed. We also ran into the fact that not only are these legacy machines, very often they're not very up-to-date mm-hmm. regardless, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of missing patches. And so we come into an environment, and we start to deploy, and then we have missing OS updates that we deal with. 
this is a very typical scenario, obviously, but we do want to see how we can make that experience better. Mm. Uh, and so that's one of the forward-looking things is we are going to invest in making all of the onboarding experiences much, mm. much smoother across the entire state of supported mm. operating systems today. So we are continue to invest in improving that. We're actually also not ready to drop Windows 7 support quite yet. So mm. that's kind of the reality mm. um, that I'm but, dealing with. But do you, st do you really want to run on a not-so-well-patched operating system? Want to? <laughs> no. Um, have to? No. Always. Okay. Right. And um, there is only so much I can yell at people to go ahead and upgrade. Mm. Um, there are always special cases, mm. always. And if you look at it from just a CISO perspective, they need coverage. Mm. Right. And um, even though I would say that the best investment of the cybersecurity budget is in modernization, mm. when reality hits, it hits hard. Mm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what we are facing uh, each and every day. Exactly. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a big incident at a customer. They have rolled out Defender for Endpoint to all the clients, to all the clients only, not to the servers. Right. Get what, guess right. what happened? And the clients are relatively up to date because it's it easier is, uh, to yeah. cycle and, and do hardware refreshes and kind of naturally get yeah. to at least a somewhat modern state. But yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Is this something you're putting in the equation if you, what you need to support, where you put your, your efforts? Because from, from my, um, understanding is, especially these machines that are not patched, that are old, that might also be running on quite weak machines, not a lot of CPU power and stuff like this. Um, I think from a security standpoint, they must be the most vulnerable. So it must be the most obvious part to put something on there to, to secure them. So. But on the other hand, I think, yeah, for, I'm doing a little bit of software development and it's always hard to keep up with all you mentioned dependency and stuff like this. Um, so the, the, the question, this is something you always take into account. Do we do this for Windows 7 or do, how do you decide when, when do you cut it? Um, I'm not sure if there's still a version for XP around, uh, because I'm sure there are machines out there. There is not, no. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's, uh, there's more to the strategy there. Uh, we essentially aim to cover all devices on your network. That's kind of the, you know, the vision there. Um, how we're going to do that, that's a different question altogether. Like in, in some cases, um, we might need to go agentless. In some cases, we will have to build an agent. And then the question is, what's that agent supposed to do? Mm. Do we just need observability? Do we need a full-fledged endpoint detection and response stack? That those are the questions that we're uh, we're actively answering. Um, I think we have a good perspective on what it is that we want to do in that space uh, more than we do today. Uh, and I will say is that from a pure numbers and investment perspective, it's not like yes, there are many devices probably mm -hmm. still out there that are legacy, but they only make up a subset of the entire mm -hmm. state. But at the same time, it is that they are the weakest link, right? And so you can't yeah. ignore them. Um, it's maybe like controversial, you know, coming from a Microsoft employee, but this is just a security reality mm -hmm. that we really do need to deal with. I would also say it's a great example. Um, what we released yesterday, the plugin for Windows Subsystem for Linux, which is really cool, right? And so, Subsystem for Linux is a developer-focused tool. Mm. It's a feature that is built for developers. Mm. And it's intended to give you a great developer experience on Windows if you happen to want to develop against Linux. 
and not against Linux, um, it takes away a machine. You don't no longer need a Linux dev machine, or maybe you don't need a Mac anymore. You could work on Windows, which mm -hmm. provides very real opportunities for an enterprise to provide a more managed developer workstation, which honestly, like every customer I talk to, developers are always that special group Absolutely. of people yeah. Absolutely. Where, where you need some special dispensation. They need to do weird stuff, something that an, a, a regular finance, like financial uh, user, they, they don't need to do all of the things that developers do. Um, but the things that developers can do, um, they're just risky from a security perspective. And so that is where it's very challenging to find that balance between the developer experience and security. And so that's exactly what we're trying to do uh, with something like that. But I will tell you, the amount of developer machines and the, and the number of WSL installations, it's of course far, far less than the total install base of Windows 10. And so when we're developing a feature for that, we're mm -hmm. developing it for a very special use case the numbers don't support the justification. Mm. It's really about providing a comprehensive set of capabilities for our customers so they can adopt MDE across mm. the estate and they don't have to seek alternative solutions. Mm. So that's a large part of the, mm. the driving philosophy. Do you also adapt somehow when it, in, in terms of uh, detection uh, possibilities? I mean, does Defender know, for example, what are typical uh, developer workloads or something like that? You know, uh, I mean, can it dis distingu distinguish between a, an office user and a an, uh, developer, for example? In a way, um, I, this is kind of what we consider to be profiling. Mm -hmm. um, It's a tricky space, I would say, mm -hmm. um, because it's very hard to determine uh, what behavior is malicious and what's a developer, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, it's Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> like if you look at it from a machine level, you, you need way more context and data in order to actually find the patterns there. And yeah. so this is an area that is, um, I mean, this a lot of research is involved to get that right because you stand to get a ton of noise and, and FPs in that space. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> to be frank, that's the hard part. Um, mm. Like, how do you distinguish malware from just badly written code, right? Mm. It's very hard to do. Mm. Um, how do you distinguish between, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to install a driver legitimately versus maliciously. Mm. These are the, the big questions. This is probably where you'll see the shift to more and more AI-driven experiences where we could, in fact, build the models that are capable of identifying those patterns on mm. the fly. I don't know at this point in time if we're quite there yet, mm. um, but it's only natural that we would move in that direction. Mm. But wouldn't this also give the attackers an opportunity, um, if these patterns are somehow well-known, to hide in these steps and do something similar to, to avoid a detection? This is always a risk. There's only so much an attacker can do to, you know, hide their uh, activities. Uh, there are always patterns. They will always need to reach out for um, what are high value assets, right? And so there, there's definitely stuff we can do. And, and you saw it in the um, uh, deception and disruption demos is where uh, we figure out, oh, there's this pattern of someone that's attempting to move laterally. Um, 
initially it's just our user remotely logging in but then you see what kind of other activities are they doing mm-hmm. and then combine that with deception where we just throw something out there and they pick it up and they're like oh great i can try to mm-hmm. use that and then we catch them like a I think there's plot. a lot of yeah, yeah there's a lot of value in that um and i think we need to start thinking more broadly like that it's like mm-hmm. if there's a pattern not on a device but a pattern across the organization, mm-hmm. right? And that's where you start to get more context that is actually actionable. Because what's happening on a device, there's a ton of stuff. It's an operating system, right? It's but what's happening across multiple devices, mm-hmm. guess what? There, there, there's less possibilities there. And so that's a, probably a, a more feasible target. And communication then, of course, also communication mm-hmm. between those uh, devices, yeah. Yeah, correlation at the end. Yeah. 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 Um, so you already talked about the uh, WSL, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Windows Subsystem for Linux. This is something you have actively worked on, right? Yep. Um, what are the other topics you are currently engaged in? Um, currently, uh, so I, at the beginning of this uh, um, podcast, I mentioned uh, that we're looking more and more into these end-to-end uh, mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. Um, that is where a large part of my attention lies today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm also involved in uh, our configuration management mm-hmm. capabilities, um, and this is where um, there's a couple of key initiatives that we've launched. Um, they're still kind of secret, so I can't give you too much information mm-hmm. about it. Um, but essentially, it really comes down to making our management story even more robust, resilient, mm-hmm. um, covering uh, with uh, great... Um, reporting experiences behind it mm-hmm. um, to really up-level that um, and go above and beyond in, in our manageability story. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, th- this is this is something that comes from the more administrative part, I would say, mm-hmm. the, the first thing, yeah. Um, so Defender for Endpoint is is moving some controls, some security controls from, from Intune, let's say, or not moving, but copying maybe, I don't know, mm-hmm. what's the right word, uh, into Defender, so that the Defender po- portal admin has also the ability to configure security stuff on clients, on servers even, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's uh, basically it. Yeah, it's a broad set of coverage. You have to imagine that like, we have a world class uh, unified endpoint management mm-hmm. solution in the form of Intune, yeah. the Intune family, and this covers a wild variety of needs across patching, across software deployment, across configuration, and then there's this little piece of all of that which is Defender for Endpoint, mm-hmm. and so. Configuring the endpoint security agent is it deserves an experience of its own, and this is partly driven by organizational dynamics, where a security team holds responsibility over the endpoint security agent, but not over the rest. Mm-hmm. But also, there is a very urgent need to make sure that Defender remains well configured, and then nobody can mess with the configuration. And so, mm-hmm. it's that intersection of needs that that we're really shooting for, and make sure. Like, okay, yes, uh, all of the configuration is critical and it's very important for an enterprise. But if we're down for misconfiguration reasons, we're done. Right? Mm-hmm. We're the last line of defense. Yeah. That's our job. And so we have a vested interest in making that even more mm-hmm. resilient, better, and easier to manage. Okay. So it's the strategy to, to, to centralize this more in your part, and you managed in tune. This is what, what we are doing on a small my site. And we've seen it in the past that more and more and more of these settings are manageable in both areas or even more on your side. 
and we're wondering how how do we how do you progress and I think it's obvious and it's using a Mac how much control does Microsoft via Intune have on a Mac to to configure stuff and um, you mentioned Linux and all of these and you want to want to add more of these features and I think inside of Microsoft is a big organization it is always hey we need to control extra settings on Mac Intune to team hurry up and I think that's what you're alluding to that this is not going to happen so that's why we we are seeing a shift. To do more and more of this management in the in the endpoint part, I, I wouldn't say no. I, I think the Intune team have a vested interest in security, um, and they're pivotal in keeping devices secure, um, just by the uh, keeping them up to date and, and patching software, um, and making sure that you do have like a full set of <clears throat> policies across all capabilities of Windows. Um, because there's also stuff that doesn't sit in the Defender suite. So uh, to me, it's really about <clears throat> both. Um, you need to be able to successfully configure all aspects of the device. <clears throat> but I would say um, it is more, um, there's a more critical need for our primary audience, which is the security audience to be in control of that piece for which they are responsible, mm -hmm. right? Um, thank you. <coughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a very dry room. I yeah. should have thought about this at the beginning. Always caught me. Okay, I understand. So, um, you know, we watched the keynote yesterday and uh, every second word from uh, Satya Nadella was uh, co-pilot. Um, are you somehow also in, uh, in, in, integrated into this area or is this not touching I, you at the moment? No, I'm not plugged in and so i think like the first you know first priority of copilot is to plug in into that unified experience that we're yeah. offering right yeah. um and that's where it can add immense value mm -hmm. um, is on top of those portals in assisting security analysts to figure out hey what went on and you know how can copilot actually automate away some of the response capabilities there yeah. um it's very promising area um I don't have like a visibility on like what are short term co-pilot integrations into kind of the client side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll probably eventually get there, but at the same time, what co-pilot does really, really well is just handle a ton of data, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we get that ton of data? I guess what well, we send it to the cloud, right? So it's the most natural place to put that investment to mm -hmm. work. Yeah, I mean, Analyzing stuff, uh, for example, um, 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 attack surface reduction rules or something mm -hmm. like that. If you have the question, um, uh, can I roll out this attack surface reduction rule or not? What would it have? What, what impact would it have? And uh, stuff like that. I think these are situations where um, Copilot yes. could help. Um, there, there's a modeling aspect that you're alluding to, uh, where you could indeed take the context of devices and figure out, okay, what is what makes the most sense to actually. Uh, increase security without the end user noticing, mm. right? Um, there's different aspects there. It, it, it's 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 not the only thing you should be doing. Mm. Um, you should. Um, there's a couple of things. Like uh, first, a security organization needs to be in control, mm. right? So, and what that means is that whatever the security organization decides to do on devices, they need to be assured that it's actually going to happen. Like mm. That's one thing. And then the second part is kind of the, the gray area is where, yes, you have uh, kind of this strong guarantee that the base security is, is in working order. But on top of that, now you have 
different kinds of scenarios that you cannot predict beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. And these are developers and users, and they're doing stuff on the machine, and they're using the machine, and that's where inevitably um, things can go wrong. Um, from both from a security uh, perspective as well as from our product perspective, so we can false positive or we can um, hinder productivity because we're trying to block something malicious. And guess what? It's just Adobe Reader. Yeah. Um, and so that is where uh, there is a role for uh, automated intelligence to be able to just dynamically raise the bar uh, when it's safe to do so. I think that's an area where you will see some development um, mm. in the near future. Okay. So um, yourself, you, you said at the beginning you are coming from uh, the field, you're coming from a consulting company. Um, so do you think in general, when talking about a uh, role in security, uh, it is a good good thing uh, to start in a normal IT role, uh, to be a, a broad guy, let's say, um, um, versus starting immediately in security? And um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a deep understanding of infrastructure is like the best piece of knowledge, foundational knowledge you yeah. can have for security. People that don't know how DNS functions yeah. um, are behind on yeah. security. And, yeah. and I mean, that's maybe an obvious one, but there's so many examples. Absolutely. Yeah. Provide. Okay. Yeah. Anything else uh, you would like to add? Uh, anything you can share? Uh, I think I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for, for being here. It was very interesting talking to you. And um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the Ignite. Uh, um, was happy to have you here. Thanks. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.